Bible tells us fight the good fight of faith. And 1 Timothy 6 and 12 says to earnestly contend for the faith in Jude 1 and 3. It says to wage a good warfare in 1 Timothy 1.18. But it says to fight the good fight of faith. It says to earnestly contend for the faith and to wage a good warfare. We are called to be militant in him, right? Amen? So it is our responsibility, church, to fight the good fight. There's a fight to fight, and it's a good fight. It is our job to contend for that which God has said is yours. We're going to contend for it. We don't just let the devil trample all over us, our families, anything that belongs to us. We contend. It means we fight for what is rightfully ours in faith, right? We know that only in faith and by faith we can please the Lord. And so whose responsibility is it to fight the good fight of faith? Ours, it's ours. So ignorance of the enemy's tactics is lethal. It's, it's, it can be, it can be lethal, which means poisonous and of course deadly, right? Ignorance. Say so we're not going to be ignorant of the enemy's ways. So what you don't know can hurt you. We know that. Ignorance is not bliss. So we need to make it our job to know the word, to understand warfare tactics that the enemy throws our way, but also we need to make it our job to know how to overcome them because we already are. He's already called us that. So in 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, it says, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So the weapons that we fight with, they're not the weapons that the world knows. They don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to them. How, do, how are some of the ways we fight? By praising our way through. We love to praise and to worship, and we do it because we completely are in awe and in love with Jesus. But it's also a war. It is also a war. It tells the enemy that, that we are so sold out, and we know that the weapon of praise is so strong, right? And so it's a weapon. Praise is a weapon. We've talked about this before. We know that the presence of God, we fight with the presence of In other words, we remain in the presence of God, and the enemy has no access to us. So it's another way of waging a good warfare, by remaining in the presence of God. You remain in the presence, that means mindfully aware. Then what happens is you don't miss a beat. You don't, you're not off. You're not saying things you shouldn't say. You're not going places you shouldn't go. You're remaining in the presence. You're conscious of that. You're aware of that. It's a weapon. Staying in your word. It's a weapon. The word is the weapon, right? And so we know, we know how to stay and how the weapons that we fight with, they're not the world's ways, but contrary to that, they have divine power. So that means heavenly power. They don't just have power. It's power that comes from God to demolish strongholds. So the war is an invisible war with temporal and eternal consequences. So Ephesians 6 and 11 says to put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We are to put on the full armor of God, not partially. We are to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against. We are to stand against something, and we are to stand for something else. We are to stand against the devil's tactics, his schemes, his trickeries, and we are to stand for the perfect will of God, which is the word of God. Amen? Amen. We are to fight. We fight, we contend, and we wage in this war with our mouths. We, we wage this war with our mouths. 
And in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We, have, we know this. We've gone through this before. We know that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So therefore, we must see our tongue as a loaded gun. You got to see your tongue as a loaded gun. You got to actually see this weapon that God has given us and know how to use it for good and not bad, right? You got to know how to use it for God's, God's truth, his purposes, his holy purposes, and not for what your flesh may dictate, right? So we must see our tongue as a loaded gun and understand the power that we have in our words. We have power in our words. We have been given the power to speak things into action and see the power of God at work. When you think about this, it's pretty incredible. It's very incredible that God has given us this power to speak truth, to stand against the wiles, the trickeries, the schemes of the enemy, speak the opposite spirit, and walk rightly before him. Don't forget about that part vital and watch God move on your behalf watch him turn that situation around we've also been given the power to speak truth and see the opposing enemy be defeated because our words line up with the will of God our words line up as long as your words line up so our mouths are like loaded guns and we need to be sometimes when you have a word picture it helps you to really um, uh, be mindful of the things that you say Right? It's critical that our mouths are not loaded with the wrong ammunition, but instead loaded with life. God's word gives us life. The enemy gives death. God's word gives us life. So we must speak that life. Glory to God. Speaking life instead of death is our responsibility. Kids, speaking life instead of death is our responsibility. It's your responsibility. Every single one of you. We are to speak the words of life. We are to fight the good fight. That's how we fight the good fight. When your feelings tell you else, something else, you fight the good fight by making sure your words line up with the truth. Amen? If we're going to earnestly contend for the faith and wage a good warfare, then the word of God must be richly within us. It's got to be richly within you. Because the minute that the enemy comes and, and brings in his, his uh, attack, if the word isn't in you, whatever is will come out, right? And you don't want whatever to come out that is not of God. We are called to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the only way that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds is to renew our minds in the word of God. And that is something we must do on a daily basis. We must renew our minds on a daily basis. We get to do this. Don't ever, ever realize or stop realizing that this is a privilege for us. Amen. So if, we, if we're going to earnestly contend for the faith and wage a good warfare, we will have that word richly within us. 1 John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So he's saying you've already overcome because he who is the greater one lives on the inside of you already. The enemy doesn't have any hold on your life at all, none of you, none of you, none whatsoever. The apostle Paul who wrote, he wrote and, and spoke to Timothy, which Timothy was his spiritual son. He encouraged him to fight the good fight. He encouraged him, fight the good fight of faith, Timothy. Wage a good warfare, Timothy. It's not an ordinary fight. 
It's not ordinary. It's not ordinary for you to just go in your prayer closet and believe that God heard you and now it's going to be done. It's not ordinary for you to give and believe God is going to give. It's not ordinary. It's the opposite of what the world tells you. To forgive and to let it go and trust God to bring the increase. It's, it, this is, but we're not called to live ordinary. We're called to live above and not beneath. We're called to live on fire and not lukewarm. We're called to live on fire with the word of God. Amen. So the fight is not an ordinary fight, but it's good. Say it's good. It's a good fight because God is good. And we know this. Mark 10, 18 says, why do you call me good? This is what Jesus said. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. We need to know this because it's easy for you to say, oh, they're, they're good, they're good. You know, and we understand how we're saying it, but actually deep down inside, there is no one that is good except for God, him alone. Psalm 107 and verse 1 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. He is good because his love endures forever. He is good he is good because he gave us his one and only son who took the sins of the world away. He is good because he doesn't give us what we deserve. He is good because he forgives us of our sins no matter how many times we ask for forgiveness. He is good. He is good because he doesn't give us what we actually deserve. His blood took care of that. So we're to fight this fight. It's not an ordinary fight. It's a fight of faith. We already said it's good, but it's also a fight of faith. It's not in the natural, but by faith that we please God. Only by faith are we going to please him, and we're going to please him. Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. You've got to believe that he is. You've got to believe that he is who he says he is. You've got to believe that he is who he says in his word he is, that he's your provider. You gotta believe that no matter what you're experiencing with finances, God is your provider. You gotta believe that no matter what you're experiencing in your family, family structure, relationships, you gotta believe that He is Jehovah Shalom. He is your peace no matter what storm you're going through. You have to believe, you must believe that the Word of God is true, every word of it. Because God is not a man that he should lie. So we must stand firm on this truth and say, Lord, I'm gonna encourage myself in the Word right now. How many of you do that? Sometimes we must, you know, we all should do this. Sometimes you got to do this more often than others. But, Lord, I'm, I choose to encourage myself in the Lord right now. I choose to open up your word and say, self, listen to me now. I will speak the word of God and you will listen. Instead of letting your flesh just dictate how you feel and what's going on, which is easy to do, and sometimes we all fall into that trap. But we need to sometimes wake up and say, oh, no, enough of that. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm going to open up my word of God. I'm going to remind myself that there is no one righteous, no, not one. But God is righteous, and he's called me righteous because of the blood of Jesus. And he says, get up, get up, get up. He says, I've called you for great purposes. Stop looking to the right and to the left and keep your eyes fixed firmly on me. Sometimes you just got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes you just got to remember who you are and whose you are. Do you encourage yourself in the Lord? If you're going to fight the good fight of faith, you're going to make sure that you are encouraging yourself in the Lord and not beating yourself up. When you beat yourself up, it's a tactic of the enemy. 
When you beat yourself up, you're literally partnering with the devil himself. That's not how you win the war. Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I love that scripture. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it's warfare. It's our spiritual war that we must engage. It's our spiritual warfare we must engage. Ephesians 6, 10 and 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. There's a stand to take. See, I'm taking that stand. And I will not back down. So we must take military action and combat against the darkness that tries to come against us. How does the enemy try to come against you? By directly opposing your, your confession of faith. You confess the word of God. You state something. You're standing on the word of truth. You're now his target. The enemy will try to tempt you on everything you stand for. If you haven't found out, you will. He tries to tempt you on everything that you stand for because the enemy hates God. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says, but the Lord is faithful. Woo! Hallelujah. And he will strengthen you and he will protect you from the evil one. I don't know. It doesn't get any more simple to me than, that, than this scripture. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful. You see the rebellion, you see the idolatry, you see the poor behavior, the bad character, you see the sin, the sin, the, all the things going on. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you. He will strengthen you and he will protect you from the evil one. He will protect you from the evil one. You got to hang on to the scripture. You got to hang on to the word. You got to say, Lord, you said you're going to protect me from the evil one. You said it and therefore it is done. Now, hanging on to that word. Well, we know how Satan began. Satan used to be the chief of all angels who served at the side of God. He was the most beautiful angel. He was the most beautiful, most knowledgeable angel. But when he got caught up in his own pride, in his own beauty, he decided he wanted to be God. Then he, he led one-third of the angels in rebellion against the creator. We know how he began. Those angels are now called demons whom roam around on the earth. They try to deceive people from God's truth. We know how Satan ends. <laughs> At the end, he will be cast into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. Revelation 20, 7 through 10. He and his angels will be there for the rest of eternity with no possibility of escape. We know how he ends. We know how he ends. So the Bible tells us to choose this day whom we're going to serve. In Joshua 24, 15, tells us, choose this day whom you're going to serve. So we must be careful what we participate in. We must, be, we must be careful in what we give attention to. So whatever we participate in, whatever we give attention to, we got to be careful. The enemy, he's a, he's a trickster. He's a schemer. He likes to scheme. Right, Colossians 3.2 says to set your mind on things above, not on things beneath. So Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above. 
So let's look at Halloween. I don't believe that Halloween should be practiced by any Christian. Okay? The Bible tells us do not give place to the devil. Okay? Ephesians 4.27. Halloween is a high holy day for the devil, for Satan, for the demonic realm. Sometimes people just don't know. They don't, they don't know. Remember what I said, ignorance is not bliss. And what you don't know can hurt you. So Halloween is actually a high holy day for Satan, for his witches, for his warlocks. They do exist. They're not make-believe. Oh, come on. I think in our world that we live in nowadays, we all know because it's so out in the open now that if you thought before all this was just superstitious, now you know otherwise. No, it truly does exist. There is a, a church of Satan. There is a, a Bible, that, that satanic Bible. Just as we have a holy Bible, there is a satanic Bible. Right? So Halloween is actually a high holy day for, for Satan and all of his witches and warlocks, all of his minions, right? This ungodly, complete ungodly, diabolical blasphemy against our Lord all the things that happen on this day, trust me, not just this day, but like I said, it's their high holy day. A lot of sacrifices, a lot of, a lot of things that I won't mention, right? But it's repulsive, completely repulsive, and it's completely demonic. And to see Christians ignorantly participating in this day is quite alarming. Because either they don't know well, then it's our job to be informed. Some of you are getting informed tonight. So either they don't know or they don't care, right? Some don't know and they find out and they go, oh, my goodness, I didn't know. I don't want to do that anymore. Some don't know. They find out and they say, oh, it's not bad. They, they kind of push it away, kind of belittle it because ah, they don't want to change. Do you see Satan participating in Good Friday? Why do we participate in Halloween? Does Satan participate in our, you know, certain days that we'll set aside? Okay, Good Friday, Christmas, Easter, resurrection. Do we see witches and Satan? Do they start, do they just join in? Do they start decorating with, do they start decorating their homes and their, their front yards with, you know, the nativity? Do they, do they start putting the cross and the resurrection for, for our resurrection Sunday? Do they, do, they, do they emphasize Good Friday? What a beautiful, beautiful day. Right? Do they emphasize that? No. Not at all. Do you even think they come close to celebrating those days? Absolutely not. They know they're not going to touch that. But yet Christians want to minimize Halloween because they don't understand the evil that is done, not just on that day, but what it all represents throughout the whole year. So why should we as Christians celebrate Halloween when it is Satan's high holy day? I can only imagine how much pleasure it brings him to see Christians participating in that day. Halloween, October the 31st, is Reformation Day. The day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis to the church door, which began the Protestant Reformation. We got to remember what that day actually stands for. It's an incredible day when we know what it really stands for. This day protested the Pope's, I want you to listen to this, protested the Pope's attempt to sell salvation because they believed, and still do, that you can sell salvation. You can put enough money in the coin, in the little box that goes around, 
and you can be saved. You, you buy your salvation in the things you do, in your works, including the money you give. Wow. So this day protested the Pope's attempt to sell salvation, righteousness by works instead of faith. Now, we know there is no righteousness by works, only by faith, right? And the, the, the Bible over church tradition, this is another thing. So they went against, in other words, they put tradition above the Bible. If it's tradition, something that they have done over the years, and it goes against something that's written in the Holy Word of God, tradition is what gets to take first place because we've always done it like that. It's our tradition. So some of you, your eyes are opened up to what it was that Martin Luther realized as he studied the word of God and the truth of God's word came to him. And when he went and nailed those 95 theses on the door, he was saying, no, salvation is through faith alone in Jesus Christ, which was diabolically opposed to that which the church was teaching. He nailed them to that church on this day that Satan said, oh, no. This is the Protestant Reformation for some of you that don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, so Satan, what does he do? I'm going to make this my high holy day. Because he knows the minute that you realize you can't get to Christ through your works, through putting money in some plate. You can't get to Christ through your traditions. You can only receive Christ through faith in God alone. He realized, my goodness, if my people's, if people start to understand that, I've lost. He's lost. He realizes he's lost his power. And so, therefore, he's like, I need to change this day. I can't let this continue to go on. You know what? This is going to be the day that we're going to do our child sacrifices. This is going to be the day that we're going to pose it as just simple and sweet. Oh, it's just fun. They're just going to dress up. We're going to pass out candy. But actually, there's death all around, and you didn't even know it, but you're participating in that which brings death. Mm-mm. Not okay. So instead of participating in Halloween, how about reading the Bible as a family and standing on the truth of God's word? How about taking John 3:16, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe him, trust in him, would receive eternal life. How about posting that on your front door when they come to knock to ask for candy? <laughs> how about letting them read that scripture on the front door? Why not? Good idea, right? The Lord gave me that idea today. I was like, what a great idea, Lord. I'm going to share it with them. Yeah. So John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We're sanctified by the truth. God's word is truth. So there is God's plan in your life. And there's also Satan's plan. Which one are we following today? His plan. God's plan is for life. Satan's plan is for death. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. Come on, John 10, 10. But he says, but I, Jesus says, but I have come that they would have life and that they would have it more, more abundantly. That means that life that God has given us and the joy that is found in his presence is continually growing and overflowing on the inside of us. And truth is what sets us free when we know it. It's the truth that we know and understand that sets us free. We can stop right there and just shout hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, the word gets us excited. It gets me excited. 
I mean, the Holy Spirit, I love the Holy Spirit. I'll melt in his presence. I'll be there forever and a day. Then I start preaching the word. I get so excited. It just bubbles up out of me. I'm like, Jesus, you're so good. And when we were going up in the stairs, it's no joke. We're not acting. We're serious. I'm like, we get to go to church. And we were just, hallelujah. There's no better place you can be on a Saturday night than in the presence of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Hallelujah. But it says, on the contrary, they have divine power. We have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We literally have divine power to demolish strongholds and to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Hmm. Talk about the power that he's given us. Woo. Thank you, Lord. And we take every thought, we make it captive, and we make it obedient to the word of God. That's how we win. Take every thought. Make it captive, make it obedient to the word of God. So we are called to submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. He must flee from us, James 4, 7. Hallelujah. So we fight from victory, church, not for victory. We fight from a place of victory, and we continue to gain victory. We go from victory to victory. We go from breakthrough to breakthrough. We go from glory to glory. We go from this place to another place, higher and higher, because we are called by God. We carry his name. We carry his spirit. And we are overcomers. So 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God, and you've overcome, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We would all grow so, so much in our revelation of who we are in Christ if we just meditate on this one scripture right here. If we just meditate on this scripture in 1 John 4, 4, the one who is in me is greater, greater than the one in the world. That means every circumstance, we can line it up with this scripture and you'll see that you go from victory to victory, no matter what it looks like. And certainly no matter what it feels like, we are more than conquerors. You are more than a conqueror through the Lord Jesus Christ. You are more than a conqueror through him. Romans 8, 37. It says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, through Jesus who loves us. So no matter what, you are more than a conqueror. No matter how down you may feel, how hard, you know, no matter how long it's been that you've been praying for a situation, you are more than a conqueror. And you just need to shout that out loud and tell the devil, I, I don't care what you have to say, what you want to throw. I don't care what accusations you may want. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. And again, you're speaking to your spirit, man. And you're like, spirit, spirit of God within me, rise up, stand to attention. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, finally, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But we are given instruction here as to what to do. It says resist him. So what? Go ahead and roam. Go ahead and roam. We will resist you at every turn. Go ahead and roam. We will resist the one that comes against us. Amen? It says resist him. How do you resist him? Stand firm. St it said be steadfast in your faith. How do you resist him? You're going to stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same sufferings have been experienced by all of your brotherhoods in the world. So in other words, other people, other Christians, you're not the only one. So we're going to fight the good fight of faith. We're going to earnestly contend for the faith. We're contending. 
Contending means you, 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 you know something. You know the truth. You don't see it, maybe, but you know it. You know it in your mind. You know it in your spirit because you've read it in the word. So you're going to contend. You're going to fight until it comes to pass that all of your children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. You're going to contend. You're going to fight. You're going to stand firm. You're going to contend with the faith for the faith of God because it's yours. Amen. We're going to earnestly contend for the faith and we're going to wage a good warfare.